Well, hey, we want to give you a vision for um, what it looks like to go from the ask out all the way to the altar tonight. We've been in a series, if you're new with us, called Save the Date. And uh, we've been saying, man, that we want to be very careful how we live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, we want to understand what the will of the Lord is. And we want to have wisdom to know what God's will is in regards to our, uh, our relationships. And so that comes from Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. And, and what we want to do tonight is we want to give you vision because let's just be honest the Bible doesn't talk a whole lot about dating like it doesn't say Joseph you know hung out with Mary and they went to McLean's and had coffee and a cookie and a great conversation and then they you know started the family like it doesn't say that in the scriptures but it does give us a lot to uh to learn about how to live life and how to live life with wisdom Proverbs um 29 18 says where there is no vision the people perish and uh they run around without restraint and so we want to have vision tonight and so what we're going to do is we're going to have um a couple come out uh this is a couple of our young adult uh, volunteers uh, that serve here at Paradigm and in our church, they've served in the past. And so I want to invite um, this, um, some friends of mine, Carly and Shane, to come on out. Y'all give them a hand. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. And Carly, Carly, why don't you say hey. Hey. Shane, why don't you say what's up? What's up? All right. So Carly and Shane, they're going to demonstrate to us throughout the next few minutes what it looks like to go from the ask out all the way to the altar. They're going to demonstrate to us some things that you don't do and some things that you do in order to have success in your relationship. And so won't y'all come on up here, at, at this, you know, up, up front here. Okay, relax. Okay, I know she's cute and you're excited and, and it may go the distance. And so we'll see. We'll see what happens today uh, over the next few minutes if you can succeed or not. So Shane, why don't you show us real quick what it looks like to, um, to not uh, introduce yourself and initiate in a relationship with a girl, okay? Hey, random paradigm girl, you want to go on a date with me? Wow, okay, let's just stop right there, okay? He just said, hey, random, like you don't even know her name, right? And so uh, we, we have to do this because, listen, uh, there's a lot of men that are here with us tonight, and they think just because a girl um, is, is attractive to them that they can just, you know, roll up on them and just say, hey, random girl, I don't know your name. I'm awesome, good to meet you, you know, and, and just think that that's how you initiate, and that's not how you initiate. Uh, we've said all along that dating is for observation and for edification. Well, you need to observe a few things before you even initiate a first date or meeting that person. And so, Shane, let's run that back, and let's see if you can get it better this time. Hey, Carly, I've really enjoyed serving with you on Tuesday nights, and I was wondering if you wanted to grab dinner next Tuesday. Sure, that sounds yeah. fun. Awesome. Good job, buddy. Way to initiate. So they have initiated, or excuse me, Shane has initiated, and this is what we want to see men do. There was a study done in 2012, and it found that 12% of women, uh, they desire to initiate in a relationship. And so the majority, a large majority of women, even in our you know, modern day, modern society, they still long for men to initiate. And we want men to initiate because we know that when men initiate, that's how things are done well. And so um, the, the created order um, that God laid out was that he created men first, then women. And then we see that in the created order of um, what it looks like to be married and that sort of thing in Ephesians 5, that uh, husbands are supposed to love their wives and they're supposed to be the leaders of the home. And so this all begins with the art of initiation. So men, um, 
It is good for you to learn how to approach someone in an appropriate way, a woman in an appropriate way, and then be clear with your intentions as to what you want to do, okay? And so you want to do this and do this with effectiveness, okay? But you want to make sure that you've seen this woman uh, do some things well in her, in her spheres of influence so that you're excited about uh, where this relationship could go. So uh, our couple is on a date. Um, let's just go ahead and light this real quick. We're really excited about this date. You, you, you sealed the deal first date. Uh, we're at a restaurant, maybe Union Station. Yeah, we're in Union Station at Harvey's. Such okay. a great place. This is so nice. A first date here? Expensive. Wow. Oh, wow. Way to go. <laughs> and so we've got some, um, we got some Martinelli's. It sounds Italian or French or something like that. Sparkling apple cider. So you, you like nice drinks. Keep it Christian. Virgin as well. Thank you very much. Thanks for keeping it Christian. Um, And so that was awesome. Um, And so uh, Shane, you're on this date and here's the advice that I would give men when you get on the first date. Be intentional, but do not be intense. Okay. Be intentional, but do not be intense. See, oftentimes you're like, man, I've been at the Save the Date series all, you know, five weeks and, and I've been taking copious notes. And so I'm about to blow this woman away with my intentionality. And you think that you're leading and being intentional, but she's perceiving that as, bro, you need to relax. And so Shane, why don't you show us um, what it looks like to be intense rather than <laughs> intentional? Hey, Carly, I just really wanted to eliminate any confusion. I'm here to reach the mountaintop of marriage, and I truly think that you're the one, the one I'm looking for. I know there's no real the one, whatever that is, and I could make marriage work with any of the millions of godly single women out there, but out of the group, I think that you, Carly, could be the one person that God has for me to spend the rest of my earthly life with, because we're not going to be married in heaven. Now, you know that, right? We're on the same page with that, right? And uh, just out of curiosity, how many kids do you want? Okay, um, and the date is over. Okay, Shane, um, we will uh, uh, continue with that in just a second. And so, um, so Shane was demonstrating what it looks like to be intense instead of intentional. And so, guys, uh, relax. Okay, relax and and learn how to have some swag. Learn how to have some you know some cool about you. Okay, spit some game. Have some you know have some uh, fluid conversations and have some fun. So, man, Colossians four six says our speech is supposed to be seasoned with salt. And so we want our speech to be seasoned with salt so that um, people want to hang out with us. And then we see in Ephesians 4.15 that we're supposed to speak the truth in love. And so we're supposed to have this combination of truth and love, and it's supposed to be a great time. And so when you're on that first date, don't just let everything air out and try to impress her. Notice that Shane did all the talking. Guys, if you're on a date with a girl, ask questions. Okay, don't do all of the talking. Um, ask questions like, hey, just you know, out of curiosity, what was the most embarrassing thing that happened to you in middle school? You know, ask an awkward question like that. Everyone has a story, I promise you. Y'all remember middle school, it was terrible. Or um, you could ask a question like, hey, what was, the, what was the best family vacation that you went on a, as a child? Or, or, or even go cheesy, like, hey, I pulled out this, I, I got a, a kid's meal at Chick-fil-A the other day and, and they had these dinner questions. And so let me ask, like if you were a superhero, who would you be and why? You know, you could ask even cheesy questions like that because the purpose of dating is to get to know one another, okay? Don't 
try to impress them with your theology and be overly intense, you're going to thwart yourself, okay? And so our couple, um, they have... Uh, they have, I don't know how they made it, but Carly, you're very sweet to give Shane another chance after that overly intentional or overly intense date. And so the couple is now um, hoping to uh, land a second date. And so Shane's going to give Carly a ring and Carly's going to show really um, what, how to not respond to a guy and to give him clarity. So, oh. Hello. Hey, Carly. Hey, Shane. Uh, I just want to let you know that I had a lot of fun at dinner the other night and I'd like to ask you on a second date. Do you have any plans Friday night? Actually, I do. Oh. Uh, well, what about Saturday or maybe next Friday? Oh, yeah. I have plans then, too. And actually, for the next five years, I think God might be calling me to be a nun, too. So, uh, my phone's really staticky. Gotta go. Sorry. Bye. <laughs> wow. Carly. Carly, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> And so um, there was a little bit of, uh, of, of just kind of rudeness in her voice there. And then she began to blame things like on some sort of theological stance that she's taken. And so um, th that's really not being clear. And so we want um, people to tell the truth. Christians are marked by the truth. We're following a guy named Jesus, and he says, I am truth. He says in John 1.14 that he came full of grace and full of truth. And so, like, if, if you're not feeling the relationship, girls, or even guys, if you're not feeling the relationship, be truthful about it. Don't blame your community. Don't blame some, you know, uh, promise that you made to be a nun or don't blame paper breaking up in your, into your phone. Listen, women, if you're the one that has to be clear, men can handle your rejection, but they cannot handle your misdirection. And so if you are just misdirecting them and trying to dodge that, that firm conversation, don't do that. Men, we, we don't want your pity, women. We want your respect. And we will respect you if you're clear with where you see the relationship heading or not heading, okay? We are meant to be rejected, I promise you. We can handle it, all right? It may sting, we may get upset, but we would rather have your rejection than your misdirection, okay? And the people of God are to be marked by truth. Again, we wanna speak the truth in love according to Ephesians 4. But let's say for the sake of tonight, Carly says yes, and they made it. And so they went on a date to Betty Ray's. Look, they had some ice cream. They look so in love, and it's great. And then they decided to go to the Nelson Atkins Art Museum, another great place. And uh, they had a great date there wearing the same outfit in the same pose. And now um, it's time. Like, they're, they're in the relationship zone. They've been on a few dates. And it's time uh, to have that awkward conversation, the DTR. Maybe you've heard of this before, the define the relationship conversation conversation. And so it's time for Shane and Carly to have this conversation. Most of the times this conversation uh, takes place um, after a date, maybe on a car ride with your pastor, and um, it's just super awkward, right? And so they're in the car, uh, they, they've finished their date, and maybe he's, he's pulling up into her driveway to drop her off for the evening, and then he's getting ready to have this conversation. And we want Shane to have this conversation because Guys, I've told you this, and we, we've looked at this in God's word, that God is not the author of confusion, and his people shouldn't be either. That guys, if you're in a relationship, or you hope to be in a relationship someday, you need to learn the art of updates. You need to give more relational updates th than you think. And we've challenged you like to update your relationship sooner than your phone has to update its operating system, all right? 
And so you need to give updates. You want to eliminate confusion because great leaders, they lead with clarity and they eliminate confusion. And so Shane, why don't you model for us what it looks like to have this awkward but necessary conversation? Hey, Carly, I've really enjoyed getting to know you and I just wanted to give you an update on my intentions with our relationship. I'm excited about where we're headed, and I know this is a little weird, but I wanted to officially ask you to be my girlfriend. I would love that, Shane. Thanks so much for letting me know. I'm super excited about our relationship's heading, too. Yay. Yay! <laughs> Way to go! All right, Shane. And so they can change their status now. They are now official boyfriend and a girlfriend. They are really in like right now. And so it's awesome. And so Shane, you did a great job giving her an update. And again, this can be incredibly awkward, but you need to own the awkwardness because women would prefer men to be clear with their intentions rather than try to have to guess you know, are you in? Are you out? It seems like you love deer season more than you love me. And because I don't, I mean, I don't know. Where are we at? Okay. And so give them an update. I promise you, I promise you, it'll be helpful. And you don't want to, you want to do whatever you can, men, to remove confusion. Again, great leaders, they lead with clarity and they eliminate confusion. It's not loving to leave confusion. And a lot of us, we come in here tonight and we have a dating history that's built upon mystery. And we think, oh, I'm going to leave a little mystery. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I, I just don't want to give, I don't want to show all my cards right now. But, but guys, you're called to lead, to lead with truth and love. And leaving a little mystery in the relationship is really one of the most selfish things you can do in a relationship. And so it's critical that you are clear with your intentions because, guys, we played games in middle school with dates. But we're men now, and men don't play games with relationships, they lead, and you have to have awkward conversations as a man, but that's a part of it. And so have those conversations because to withhold information is one of the most selfish things you can do. And 1 Corinthians 13, it gives us this definition of love, and it says that one of the things that love is not self-seeking. Philippians 2 says that we are to, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in everything, consider others better than ourselves that we want to love people like we love ourselves and we want clarity. And so our couple, they become boyfriend and girlfriend and they're definitely, again, they're in light, they're in the, 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 the new status of their relationship. But let's just say um, for, for the sake of this scenario, it's time to break up. You know, they've been to Betty Ray's, they had a great date at Union Station, but they got to break up. Now, this is hard, right, because we have this, this thing that we've really invented in our modern time called dating, where we say, hey, you're my boyfriend or you're my girlfriend, and we have this possessiveness when it comes to dating. But let me just tell you, if you're dating someone tonight, you need to respect their autonomy. You need to respect their independence, and you need to hold that relationship with an open hand because they have the right to step out of that relationship anytime. They're not obligated to you. And oftentimes when we start having sex with each other, it, it creates this faithfulness when we don't need to be faithful to one another. And it creates this obligation when we shouldn't have an obligation to one another. And so when it comes to you dating somebody, you need to respect their autonomy and allow them to walk anytime they decide they can walk. And so Carly's going to demonstrate uh, what it looks like um, to have this conversation. But before we have that, let me just give you a couple of don'ts, okay? Uh, don't just submarine your life, right? Don't just go under the radar. Like if I just avoid her or avoid him long enough, don't take his calls, don't text him, block him from all social media fronts, then he'll get this clue, right? 
Like, no, that's not what the people of God should do. Um, don't send him a text, okay? Even if you put a cute emoji and you think it's crystal clear, don't send her a text. text uh, breaking up over a text is childish. Amen. Okay, I was, I was just wondering if y'all were there with me. Okay. And so you want to go to that person uh, in person. And so let's just assume that uh, Carly's the one that's not really jiving in the relationship here. And so um, she's uh, getting ready to be dropped off at her door with Shane. And so um, they're, they're there and, and it's just, you know, it's, it's hard, but she needs to have this, um, this conversation with Shane. So Shane, we want to see your facial expression uh, when your heart is about to break. It's going to be great. <laughs> hey Shane, I'm really thankful, seriously, for the way you've led me these past few months. But I've been processing with my community group, and I don't think I can continue this relationship. Um, the more I understand what God is calling you to do, the more I realize that we're not on the same page. So thank you so much, um, but I think we need to part ways. Wow. Carly, you seemed really happy about that. I don't know if y'all <laughs> noticed that. <laughs> that was... Um, it's okay, buddy. It's okay. <laughs> Let me point out a couple of things that Carly did really well. So we told y'all week two of the series how to break up if you need to break up. And we encouraged some of y'all, hey, you need to break up because your relationship isn't headed in the right place. And so we said this, hey, if you're going to break up, you need to seek wisdom. Where there are many counselors, the plans will succeed, the proverb says. And so Carly, she said, hey, I processed this with my community. And so she didn't just say, hey, I don't feel in like anymore. I don't feel like you should be my boyfriend, and so I'm making this rash decision. She said, hey, I processed this in community. And so we said, hey, seek wisdom and then set a strategy, set a plan. And so I know earlier today, Carly was like, hey, when I get to my red door, my red front door, I'm going to drop this bomb on him after he's bought my dinner. Thank you. Um, I'm just kidding. Anyway, and so she set a plan. She was clear with her words, and then she also took it back to what is dating? Dating is for edification and observation. And so she said something like this, hey, I've, I've been observing our relationship. And she said, where you're headed and where I'm headed is not in alignment. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like Shane, he may be headed to be a missionary in Calcutta, India. And Carly may be thinking, hey, I just want to be a housewife or I want to be a, a homemaker or a lawyer in Kansas City. And, and we're not headed in the same direction. And so it may not necessarily be like a bad thing, but when you break up, man, remember that you don't want to blame God. You don't want to make this up, say, hey, God's telling me to do this. I had a vision uh, the other night of me and you weren't there. And so I'm just thinking this is God telling me that we're, we're done. You don't want to say weird things like that. And then you want to be clear with your, with your words, Get, tell them, hey, I, I observed these things, and here's why I think we need to move on. And so Cartley did all those things really well. And when you break up, remember, if you're a follower of Christ, we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. That's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, even in conflict, even in hard conversations. And so don't yell at people and don't cuss them out and don't get so, you know, irate and you lose your witness for Christ in the way you break up. So um, let's just say they didn't break up, okay? And let's just say for the sake of tonight, uh, the relationship marches on. And so Shane, he decides he's going to save the day and he's going to have a, uh, an intentional conversation with Carly's father, okay? And so Carly's father, um, Shane has said, hey, I want to honor Carly's dad because Carly's dad's involved in her life. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to involve him in our relationship. And so he called Carly's dad up. And he said, hey, uh, Mr. Brockoff, I'd like to have a, an appointment with you and, 
and so Carly's dad set up a time for Shane to go over to Carly's house and uh, so that Shane could meet her father and honor her father. So let's see how this plays out. Good. I'm doing oh, well. How are you? Me, man. I'm just yeah. cleaning my gun. Okay. Come All on right. in. Come on in. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. You're fine. All right. You're f- excuse me while I put on a shirt. Sure, please do. <laughs> <clears throat> Why aren't you sitting? Uh, well, so, I, didn't, so, I didn't tell you you could talk. I'll wait. I'll wait. <laughs> what do you want? Are you going to put the... Um, sir, I just really wanted to thank you for uh, just taking your time <laughs> to meet with me. Uh, I know you are a busy man, and I want to tell you, uh, just I've really enjoyed dating your daughter, Carly. Good. Uh, I guess just the thing is, is she's just... Really hot. Come again? <laughs> okay, time out, time out before you shoot the man. All right, all right. Hey, um, hey, it's okay to honor her dad, but don't be completely honest with her dad, okay? And so you may be thinking, yes, she is hot, but Shane, you don't need to uh, just say it outright like that, okay? But it's awesome that Shane has initiated with Carly's dad because uh, he's seeking to honor her father. Ephesians 6 says that we are to honor our mother and our father because this is a commandment with a promise that our, our days will be long. And so Shane, he hasn't, he hasn't uh, seen this as just merely his father, but he sees this as, hey, I'm really into this woman. I'm, I think that, man, we have potential. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to honor her dad. And again, honor is not something that is passive. Like, you can't just kind of say, hey, because I treat his daughter well, that is the extent of my honor to him. No, honor is something that you give. And the way that you give honor is that you go and you ask permission. And some of y'all may think, man, this is kind of old school, but I promise you, if you want to have the blessing of her family upon you, then invite her family into y'all's relationship. And and when you do that, be careful that you don't speak um, honestly completely, but you speak honorably completely. And there's a difference. We're talking about having wisdom. And wisdom says, hey, guard your speech. Put a muzzle over your mouth. And, and guard your words and watch them wisely. So Shane, let's, um, let's give you a, another chance uh, to have this uh, talk with Carly's dad and hopefully, um, hopefully you'll honor him and not be completely honest with him and not get shot. All right. So Mr. Brockhoff, I just wanted to thank you for allowing me to sit down and talk with you. I just wanted to thank you so much for raising such an amazing daughter. Uh, I wanted you to know I'm not here to waste her time. And my intentions truly are to date her with purity. I want to give you my phone number just in case you have any questions about our relationship. You can ask me anytime. I appreciate that, Shane. Thank you so much, man. <laughs>
All right, way to go, Shane. Way to go, air high five. Okay, way to go. And so he chose to honor Carly's dad, and it went well for him. And so Carly's dad's a little bit intimidating, and more than likely, even if your potential woman's dad is small, he's still intimidating. I promise you, chihuahuas are small, but they're mean, and they'll bite your throat. And so be careful, all right? But we want to honor parents, and this is something that is honorable for us to do. And some of you are like, well, Chad, what if he's not a Christian? Honor him even more. You may be the only Christian influence that, uh, that he is able to see. And so you want to involve him. So here's kind of the rule that I would say is if her dad is involved in her life, then you need to involve him into y'all's relationship. If her dad is involved in her life, whether he's a Christian, whether he's not a Christian, that doesn't matter. If he is involved in her life, you need to involve him into y'all's relationship, okay? And this is an honorable thing to do. This is what Christians ought to do. And I encourage you, every man that is considering dating a woman, seriously, go talk to her dad and let him know, look, I'm not an enemy. I'm an ally. And I want to be, be a part of, of, of the process of you protecting and you cherishing your daughter. Here's my phone number. Check in on us. You have access to our relationship. That's how you honor. So the relationships continued. Obviously, Shane did a great job with Carly's dad. The relationship has continued. Um, they went to pre-engagement counseling at the church. And um, Shane has put his crosshairs on Carly's chem, uh, character of God and, and the chemistry that they have together. They've involved um, the community. They, they are very much at this point, they're very in like at this point. And so Shane thinks like, hey, this may be the woman. And so he's getting ready to marry Carly. And, uh, and, and the cool thing is, is that his community is celebrating. And so we said last week that if you want to have confidence in the person that's asking you to marry uh, you or, or confidence in the person you're going to ask to marry you, man, you need to observe commitment. You need to observe communication and have a time of confession and involve the community and, and this will give you and have Christ at the center and this will give you confidence and you have allowed people and, and they've allowed people to observe their chemistry and their character and so fast forward to several months Shane is now at the golf course with his, his Mr. Future Dad to be. So Shane, how's uh, the relationship going with my daughter? It's actually going really well, Mr. Brockoff. It's dang. <laughs> I've uh, I've really enjoyed spending time with your daughter, actually. Good to hear. Why are you here? Um, really, I guess the reason I asked you to go golfing today is um, I actually hate golf. Um, it's because I have a question for you. Uh, may I have your permission to marry your daughter? That's interesting. Let me switch clubs real quick. <laughs> no, get over here, big guy. <laughs> Congratulations. Welcome to the family. All right, Thanks, Dad. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you just call him Dad? I don't know. That may be too soon. Wait till you have grandkids. Okay. <laughs> So Shane got permission. He went out and bought a ring. And, and guys, let me just give you some uh, helpful information. When it comes time to propose, um, man, know your woman, okay? If your woman is like more of a, a, a behind-the-scenes type woman, don't go jumbotron on her, okay? 
She'll be like, what are you, I'm so embarrassed that you're even doing this right now, okay? But you need to maybe call up her sisters or some of her friends or her mom and say, hey, what would be really sweet uh, for me to do? How, how, what, what would be something that she would really value? And, and maybe you, you, you remember the, the first date that you had and you remember where you went, and then you, you get all sentimental, but you wanna be, uh, be concerned with her heart. And so you've, you've bought the ring, um, and you're ready, and so Shane is at that point in the relationship, he's bought the ring, um, and he's ready to propose to Carly. So let's just th- say that Shane was very thoughtful. The first date they had was at Union Station, and so he went back to Union Station, and let's see how Shane does with the proposal. Hey, relax, Carly, relax, I, okay? Relax, all right? Uh, you're still standing, Shane, okay? There's a hashtag proposal posture, all right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, you're probably gonna wanna hit a knee sometime. Carly, I, I just can't imagine my life without you, and I just wanna let you know I wanna serve you for the rest of my life. Will you marry me, Carly Brockoff? Yes. <laughs> whoa, 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 all right. Whoa. Um, if you don't know the Johnsons, they are married. They've been married for it's about okay. a year now. Okay. And, uh, and so this is their wedding photo, and don't they look fabulous? Y'all give fabulous. Shane and Carly a hand, and they do great. Hey, I want to invite, um, invite my friend Josiah Jones up to the stage, and, and we just want to honor you guys. Um, Josiah has known y'all for um, quite some time, and so Josiah's going to come up here and just uh, share y'all's story, and we want to celebrate you guys. Hey, didn't these guys do awesome? Hey, this is not easy to do. We literally gave them the script not too long ago, and so they're reading it. They're having fun. They're uh, making some tweaks. They're putting their own personality on it, but man, great job, Shane and Carly. We love you. We do. Uh, we love uh, sharing stories here at Abundant Life and Paradigm. This is kind of like who we are. We believe that uh, we exist to see lives changed by Jesus, and so every t- chance we get, we want to share a story about God's grace intersecting our life. And, and this is a story of God's grace. I've been able to walk with them for about four years now, my wife Kathy and I. And, and uh, man, when I met Shane, and, and he's given me permission to share part of his story. And so when I met Shane, man, he was a wreck. Like he was addicted to pornography, sexual addiction. And, and man, Shane, I love the fact that you invited men into your life. And so like that means the world to me. Um, that you would allow me to speak into your life and many of the other men here at Paradigm. And so, man, you were a mess if I could be that transparent. Uh, you really were. And I can only remember uh, having that first conversation with y'all at, uh, at the coffee shop and remember uh, meeting Carly for the first time. You were going to University of Arkansas and you came back that weekend. And, 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 and Carly was full of insecurities, just to be honest, because she didn't think that she could measure up to Shane. Uh, that's, the, that's the baggage that we carry, men, when we engage into pornography, when we engage in sexual addiction, we make our significant other or future significant other very insecure. They doubt whether they're ever enough, if they could measure up, if you will. And, and, and you and, and uh, Kathy when we, and, and I, we were able to just walk with you through that. And it was many, many months and even years. Like I remember uh, them telling me, hey, we're going to just take a break. And I said, I think that's probably best. And so they got some distance and they were able to observe each other for about six months. They were telling me earlier, I forgot, but about six months they took a break and they were able to observe each other from a distance. 
which I believe that was probably one of the most healthiest things that you could have done in your relationship. And God began to affirm some things in Shane's heart. He began to affirm some things into, into Carly's heart. And they both got into community. They allowed uh, men and, and women to speak into their life. And, and they entered into a season of repentance and, and restoration and healing. And then God brought y'all back together, which was incredible. And then shortly after, Shane gets on a knee, literally. It, it, was it just like that when you did? Mm, no, a little just bit. Like uh, just like that. Okay. Hopefully you got on a knee, okay? Um, but Shane gets on a knee, man, and he asks Carly to be his wife. And, and, and what, what was so cool about that is uh, God restored a relationship that was broken and shattered due to sin. And if you're sitting there tonight thinking, man, can God do that in my life? Yes, he can. This is a testimony a testimony of God's grace and mercy in their life. And then a few months later, I had the privilege of officiating their marriage. And it was a beautiful day. It was a beautiful day of celebration where we were able to share the gospel. Incredible picture of who God is in marriage. And so I just want to celebrate what Jesus has done in the life of Shane and Carly. And so let's pray. Will you pray with me for this newly married couple who's only been married for about a year now? Father God, we are so grateful that you are still changing lives. God, you're changing uh, generations through just this one couple. God, thank you for arresting their heart, God. Thank you for allowing them to see truth in the midst of sin, in the midst of doing life apart from you. God, thank you for allowing them to be here tonight to um, just share what it looks like to pursue each other from the ask out to the altar. God, I so appreciate what you're doing in the life of these two and in the many other lives that are represented in these chairs. And God, I pray that you would continue to do your greatest work in the midst of our greatest brokenness. And so God, I pray for brokenness tonight for my friends here. God, that you would allow them to see their need for you. And God, they would surrender just like Shane and Carly did many, many months ago. And God, you would do an incredible work. And that they would live their life in light of who you are. And generations would be changed as a result. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Y'all give it up. All right. Well, hey, as we finish tonight, if you have a copy of God's Word, once you find the book of John, John chapter 14, I want to turn your attention to a passage of Scripture there. But before I do that, um, man, I, I love getting to officiate weddings. I mean, it's one of the most exciting things. It's such an exciting day in so many people's lives. And, and when you're there at, at a wedding, I, I know most of you have been to a wedding before, um, uh, just having the perspective of the pastor is so awesome because you're right there. Like, you're standing right next to the groom. And the groom, like, typically when I do a wedding, I'm, I put my hand on their shoulder and I'm like, hey, bro, you, you got this, all right? You're going to do fine, you know, because they're usually just like up in knots in their stomach. They feel like pre-game, they're about to run down the field. Like they don't know, should I vomit? What should I do? Are my knees locked? Oh my gosh, you know, and they're just so excited um, and they've got themselves in a frenzy and it's, it's, and it's so awesome to watch um, because their eyes are laser focused on that back door or wherever their bride will be coming from. 
because they are there with all of their best friends and with their family, and, but they're there concerned about one person. And the, the hope that's at a wedding and the love that's at a wedding, it's almost tangible. And you see those doors break open and this guy, like I just love just looking at the dude, like, like women, no offense, but I'm like, I'm about to watch this brother and just see how he responds to the love of his life coming down and, and all of her, her beauty and all of her, her chastity, chastity and, and all of her virtue coming down this aisle, being ready to receive, be received by this man and, and, and the strongest of men, me included. I, I remember that day, I was like, just ugly cry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like my wife's like, are you crying? Because, I, mean, I mean, what's going on? She was crying too. It was awesome. Anyway, and so, like, it's just so cool to see this, and it's such a beautiful picture. And, and tonight, we wanted to give you a picture of what it looks like to go from the ask out to the altar. And Jesus, all throughout the Gospels, man, he gives us these things called parables. And in parables, they are portraits that are given to demonstrate spiritual truths in a practical way. And marriage is one of these pictures that's all throughout the Bible. And marriage, it, it's, it's, its greatest purpose is not procreation, is not pleasure. Marriage's greatest purpose is that it's given by God as a metaphor to tell us what we are created for. See, about this much of your Bible uh, deals with relationships between you and other people. And then the remainder of your Bible deals with the relationship that you'll have for eternity with God. And marriage is such a robust metaphor that tells us what we were created for. Uh, about 300 BC before Christ, a Jewish boy that had come of, of, of age to get ready to be married, he would have left his father's house. And, um, and maybe his father would have given him some direction. He would have already kind of, you know, uh, uh, scoped some things out. But he would have said, hey, son, you need to go check out this village. And, and there's a couple of women there that, that I know their families, they're good people. And so the boy who had now become a man, he's like, all right, I'm about to go find me a wife. And so he would have headed out and he would have gone into a village or a nearby town to find a woman that was reputable a woman that was virtuous, a woman that was beautiful, a woman that was hardworking, a woman that was incredible. And he would find that woman and he would say, oh, that's her. That, I can't wait. Her name may be a Jewish name, Rebecca or Elizabeth or something like that. And that's her. And so he went there and then he went back to his dad. He's like, dad, say, like, I got, I got, I think I've got the woman, right? And so his dad would be like, yes, high five. And then his dad would have gone with him to that village with a dowry. His dad would have gotten a, a lot of money or a lot of fine things and went to that family and said, hey, here is the payment for your daughter. And then they would have gotten um, um, a, a cup and they would have poured wine in it and they would have raised it up and they would have made a toast. I mean, this is where we get our modern tradition of making a toast to this day. And, and they would have drank it and, they, and, and the man would have taken a drink and he would have passed it to the woman that he's interested in and she would have taken a drink and the dowry would be received and they would have entered in a, a time of engagement or betrothal. And this betrothal, it was a legally binding contract and, and, it, and it was something that was, that, that was unbreakable. But then what would happen is that the man would then leave and he would be gone for about 12 months. He would go back to his father's house and when he was at his father's house, he would begin to prepare a place for this woman. 
and he would begin to add a room onto his father's home. And, and this was a, a holy room. This was this very special room. And so every day he went to work for a solid year, man, building this room, adding on to this house for my wife. And, and he would have been working so hard because he was so excited about his bride-to-be. And so he went to work every day and got prepared for her. He was probably singing Ed Sharon and John Legend and Marvin Gaye and maybe a little Bruno Mars, some songs. You know, I don't know. And he was just getting it, right? He was just working, working. And then the woman over here for the 12 months, she had gotten all of her girlfriends together and they would have prepared for this wedding. And th this is where we get our tradition of bridesmaids. And so they would have come to be like, our girls get married and they would have to have made a wedding dress and get her ready. And then when my brother finished that last nail on the roof. He's like, men, it's time. And so he got his boys together, maybe his brothers. He said, hey, go, let them know I'm coming. And so he would send his buddies or his groomsmen is where we get our tradition from. And the groomsmen, they would jump on a donkey or a camel or they would just run fast. I don't know. They're like, man, you same boat, let them know I'm coming, right? And so they would have begun to ran to that village with trumpets and singing a marriage song. The bride, I mean, the groom is coming for his bride. The, the groom is coming for his bride. And they would have sung that song throughout every village that they went through until they reached the village. And, and, and that woman, she would have heard that song or her girlfriends would have heard that song and they would have ran, oh, your husband's cover, right, whatever you girls do, I don't know. Anyway, and so they would have been so excited. And then the groom, traditionally, he would come at night. And there would be torches lit, and, and they would be excited, and then the whole wedding party, that they would leave, and they would head back to the father's house. And he would, he would get his bride, and his bride, she, by this time, she's in her beautiful dress, and she's veiled, and he has not seen her behind the veil. And they would go back, and they would go to this man's father's home, and they would be met by this epic celebration of great proportions. And that's why we get even the wedding celebration today. I mean, we, we get turned at a wedding because it's exciting. It's, it's, it's incredible. This couple, they found each other. And they would go back, and they would celebrate now, this part's kind of weird in Jewish tradition, but what would happen is that they would get married, and then they would go into the room that this man had been building on his father's house. And he would unveil his wife, and they would consummate their relationship. And then he would step out of the room while the party's going on, and he would say something like, yeah, I don't know what he would say, but it was just kind of weird. He's like, hey, it's consummated. Okay, um, I don't know what you do there anyway. And so he would say something, declare, and the party would roar, and they would erupt in praise and adoration to God and celebration for this glorious union. And then the man would go back into the chamber. And for seven days, as a party went on outside of their room, a party was going on inside their room. And this is where we get our idea of like a seven-day honeymoon. And they would consummate and they would merge their lives together. And after the seventh day, the woman would emerge unveiled and given over in, into marriage. And they would start their family and their lives together. And this is such a beautiful metaphor that Jesus, he would springboard off of in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14, it's, it's the Last Supper. I mean, this is kind of the parting words that Jesus is having with his guys. And, and up until this point, Jesus has given some incredible teaching. And then after this point, he gives some more incredible teaching. But what he goes on to say is he's like, hey, hey, one of you is going to betray me. And then he tells Peter, he's like, hey, you're going to deny me. And then he goes on in John 14, starting in verse 1, and 
here's what he says. He uses this metaphor to give comfort to his guys. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And so he's using this language like a bridegroom going to prepare a place. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Jesus is like, like the urgency of that man on that wedding day that I'm standing next to, laser focused at the door, longing to be with his bride. Jesus is saying that I am going to prepare a place and I will come back. This contract, this covenant is unbreakable. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, uh, we don't know what you're talking about, basically. He said, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus says this famous passage, this, this famous saying. He says this, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no man could come to my father's house and be a part of my father's family and celebrate unless he comes with me. And so marriage is a metaphor to tell us what we were created for. And so tonight, let there be some hope in the air. Let there be some love in the air that there is a groom that has gone to prepare a place for you if you know him. And one day the heavens are going to crack open and you, his bride, will be rant, rant, uh, raptured up to him. And you will come and he will adorn you with praise and adoration because he has declared you pure in his sight. Some of you are here and you're like, Chad, pure would not be the adjective I would use to describe my life. I know for me that wouldn't be the adjective that I would use to describe my life. I remember the first time I came across, I think it's 2 Corinthians 11, when it says that we are to be making ourselves pure as virgins and preparing ourselves for this date. I was like, how is this possible? I'm so entrenched in such debauchery, which is a big Bible word that just means pornography or pride or uh, people pleasing. How is this possible that, that, that I, I, I mean, right now I care more about what other people think of me than what God does? How can I be pure and blameless before his sight? See, the gospel is, is that you can't. The gospel is, like Isaiah says, is that our, although our sins be like scarlet, that there is a stain on everyone's soul tonight that, we, that none of us deserve to wear a white dress, that we are not without blemish. But the gospel is, is that there is a bridegroom there is one that loves us so much so that he made us white as snow. That though our sins be like scarlet, he cleansed us and he purified us. And we don't have to do the work of making ourselves pure. We have to submit to the work that Jesus did on the cross so that we could be declared pure. And so let hope arise tonight. And let there be a confidence of love tonight if you know him. But if you don't, may you know that God can declare you pure and white as snow. So marriage, all the effort and all the time that we spend thinking about it, turns out it's just a shadow. 
Marriage is just a metaphor to tell us what we were created for. These beautiful things, this imagery is so strong and so rich. God is saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. You have no idea what I have in store for you. I love you. And so we've been in this series called Save the Date. And we've been saying this kind of a double meaning that when you save the date, you, you circle a future and you live differently in the present because of something that's going to take place in the future. And so Jesus, he, he saves the date because he has you in his future. Jesus saved the date because he wanted you in his future. And so it affected what he did in his present. And so Jesus dies on a cross. He's tortured and then he absorbs the wrath of almighty God that is to be poured out upon all humanity. Upon the Adolf Hitlers and the Marilyn Mansons and the, the serial killers and then, and then the self-righteous and us today. And Jesus says, pour it on me so that I can save the date and so that you can know him and have a future matrimony with him. So your future union with him caused him to die in his present. And when he died, he had your future in mind. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, in a moment like this, we, we've had time to laugh and we've had time to get vision for maybe what our relationships could be. But God, I'm praying right now for a, a greater vision of what our relationship could be with you. And so as we enter in this time of response and singing, and we have these men and women come up to the front of the room, God, I pray that there would be a man so bold tonight that would step out of the aisle or his seat and go down the aisle and grab one of these men or women by the hand and say, hey, could you tell me how I can have a relationship with Jesus? Or there'd be a woman here that's like feeling so stained and so dirty and, and she wants to leave clean. God, that you would give her the courage to come and confess her sin, that she would come out of hiding so that she can receive healing. God, you would help us to do what you've asked us to do tonight for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name I pray.